Zimbraconda is a proud supporter of Wisconsin Badger Athletics. If you're looking to purchase, finance, or service a new or pre-owned Honda, buy local. Part of the Madison community since 1973, Zimbraconda's customer service is second to none. Experience it today for yourself. Shop local. Shop Zimbraconda. Jesse Nelson, Mark Tauscher, no Jason Wildey today, and he regrets being on assignment today because he missed out on catching up with one of our favorite guests. Joining us now here on Wildey and Tausch on ESPN Wisconsin, the ESPN app and Wisconsin On Demand, ESPN NFL draft expert Mel Kuyper Jr., and I'm sure that Mel is celebrating National Potato Day with some mashed potatoes on his pizza. Mel, how you doing? Jesse, Mark, you are correct, pal. You, you know me. Uh-oh. That was a quick appearance. Mel, you there? Jesse, Mark, I, I, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Go. I got gotcha. right. As I was saying, you know me too well. You, you obviously listen to the Darian Mel show and know everything about my awful bad habits. Well, Mel, <laughs> we, we knew about the pumpkin pie bit, but now yeah. so you're telling me you'll order a pizza and you'll just sl- you'll put mashed potatoes on the pizza. That's what we're no, doing. No, 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 just like an accent piece. No, just oh. an accent piece. Oh, it's no, like a no, dip. It's not. It's not everybody exaggerates everything I do. That's you know, true. McShay, McShay gets a pumpkin pie to give him on draft day, right? For me, he ruins it by putting whipped cream all over it oh, right man. away, and it's melting away because fat-free whipped cream melts in about ten seconds. You can't do that. You got to spray, eat, spray, eat, spray. Eat. I tell him the technique about how to use fat-free whipped cream properly, <laughs> but um, he screwed that whole pumpkin pie. But it was just like melted all over the pie, ruined the pie completely. So everybody goes to extreme dreams when they talk about me, but that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I, I, I don't mind being the brunt of everybody's joke on that <laughs> stuff. <That's fine. laughs> as long as they're still talking about you, Mel. Mel, before we get into the Packers receivers and all the Badgers, what do you think, because Green Bay lost out on the bid to get the NFL draft a couple you know, a couple days ago. I know. Ago, I was disappointed which, to hear that one. Yeah, yeah and I, I, I still believe down the road we will, but can, did you ever envision when you started doing this that it was going to get to the point where cities were bidding to get it. Six to a million people were coming out to see it. Did you ever, when you guys were back at that old hotel ballroom, did you ever envision it to get to this point? Yes. I did. I can honestly say 100%. Okay. 1,000%. Because I, I, I put out draft reports when people were telling me I was an idiot and I was wasting my time. Go get a real job. Nobody cares about the draft. Nobody cares about these players. Nobody cares about hearing names called. The NFL didn't even want, tried to discourage and did not want ESPN to televise the draft back in, in, the, in the late 70s, early. They didn't want that. They thought it would be embarrassing to put something on that would just be names being called. Uh, this is the NFL. Nobody's going to be caring. To, and so Nobody had that vision. I can one say the only thing I was wrong with a lot of players. Okay, I've been wrong with a lot of players. I can honestly say one of the things I was right about was the popularity of the draft. I had that vision. I had that long before anybody else did back in the mid seventies when I started thinking about doing this type of thing. So, did you when when you were hired by ESPN? Did you sell mm-hmm. them that vision? Well, it was a combination of things. I, first of all, I was going to go to work for the Baltimore Colts five months before I got called to go off the interview for that job. I was going to be an assistant to Ernie Acorsi with the Baltimore Colts, and then he, had no, he, he didn't even know that they had traded his franchise quarterback, John Elway, to Denver. He found out through a, a, a sports writer, a beat, uh, the beat writer of the Colts, uh, Vito Stellino. He, he didn't even know. So he, he, he called me and said, hey, I'm thinking about leaving. The team may move. This is when they were right before they were moving to Indianapolis, and I can't 
can't bring you in to help me in the personnel department if I'm going to be out. I was only 23 at the time, 22, 23 at the time. So he said, I said, what do you want me to do, Ernie? He said, just keep doing what you're doing. So Ernie, of course, he saved me because five months later, I got the call to go up and interview for the job at ESPN. So I, you know, I was doing the reports then. I started doing the reports in 78. 79. So I'd already put out draft reports. They saw them. They knew about them. And that helped me get that position. They already saw a lot of the evaluations, knew what I was doing. I was already doing a ton of – I was doing 25 radio shows a day back in, in the early 80s. Oh, my I'd God. I radio, radio from morning until I was on Myron oh, Cole. Lord. I was uh, Martini and Edmonds. I could go, uh, you know, KMOX in St. Louis. You name the show. I was doing it. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was working pretty hard during those days, doing a lot, trying to promote the books because we were trying to sell the reports. So, you know, when you came on a radio show – they gave the to- the number to call, you know, order through Visa MasterCard, order the report. So it was a promotional tool for me, and we were advertising in football news, sporting news, all the various publications, and I, that's what I was going to do. So what Ernie said then, 83, was just go back to doing what you're doing. you got a great thing going. He didn't know ESPN was going to call five months later and say, come up here and interview for the job. And I went up. They put me in a room. They put a chair in the middle of the room. They had about eight people swirling around me, asking me questions. Tell me about the 49er offensive line. Tell me about the Steeler front office. Tell me. And I was just answered questions for an hour. I went home, didn't have a clue if I was going to get it, got a call to go and, and work for ESPN that year. So that's how it all uh, you know, came down back in 1980, early 1984 it was. Mel, how much have you retained? Because we were thinking about quizzing you on like who the top tight end prospect was in the 87 draft. Do you have that much retention or is that a little too crazy? See, people want to always, they, see, they go from bashing me, guys, destroying me, right, to overrating me. So okay. you always hear these guys, he knows the four-string long snapper. It was, no, I don't. See, I, I forget everything happened le- after this draft. This draft is gone. Then I'm, I'm worrying about next year's draft. And, uh, so you're always, in this business, you're always looking ahead, not behind. I, I have to go back, and I have my books. I'll go back when you ask me about I have no idea about it. But they'll always overrate that. Ad, like, Kuiper knows who went in the third round of the 1975 draft. No, I don't. No, I don't. So, again, and so that's where they always do that. So they'll destroy me on things that I, I should be able to defend myself a little better on, and they'll, they'll overrate me on things I, I was completely wrong or I have no idea about. So, no, I don't, I don't look back. I only look forward. Yes. ESPN NFL draft expert Mel Kuyper Jr. joining us on Wildey and Taus, Jesse Nelson, Mark Tauscher with uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. And I know what you do on Dari and Mel every Saturday morning on ESPN Radio, Mel, is uh, Dari loves to field questions from fans for you about the NFL yeah, Dari, draft. Dari's smart. He lets the fans do the work for him. Outsource. I know. Exactly. I, give him two, I give him two segments off a week. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want him to have an Ask Dari segment so I can go get a, get a piece of pumpkin pie you know, during the show. But we have a gotten to the point where we got, we got to ask Mel, but not ask Dari yet. Well, we're doing the same thing. So uh, we've fielded out some questions for our fans here today sure. on the Wilde Tausch social media platforms. First one is from Patrick on Twitter. How does it make you feel, Mel, when a draft prospect you have rated low proves you wrong and goes on to have a great NFL career? Well, it's funny. That's a great question because everybody that works at ESPN, the former players at ESPN, all say I underrated them. Okay, so every every if you had a guy ranked five, he should have been ranked four, three, or two. If you had a guy ranked fifty, if he should have been thirty-five, four. Nobody was ranked high enough. 
So I've always been, you know, every time I go up there, I'm a little fearful of Connecticut for obvious reasons. Like, what am I walking? What hornet's nest am I walking into here? Because none of the players up there feel I, I, I graded them accurately. I was way too low on them. So, no, no, believe me, you never play. Former players are never happy with how they were graded unless you, you raved them. And if you raved them, I mean, say, well, you gave me too much publicity. You were too high on me. You know, when they, so you can never win in this game. So I just gave it up. I gave up trying to, trying to, I don't, I, you don't do this trying to, to obviously, you know, think about that. But there, there's no player I think ever been, has ever been satisfied with the way they were graded. Yeah, I didn't even make Mel's book. So I was happy that, that motivated me. <laughs> <Yeah, you did. laughs> <laughs> well, hey, there were some, yeah, I mean, some of these guys were, were just listed. If they were listed, then they're oh. really, you know, I had, I had listings that say, well, what can you do? You know, I can't write up everybody. Yeah, so true. it's just, it, you know, it really is a crazy game. And that's the thing, too, guys. One thing, when you say, everybody wants to say in this business, well, I like this player. Once they're great, everybody liked everybody who was good, right? Mm-hmm. Once everybody's good, everybody, I like that guy. But did you stack the board to be able to take him? By that, I mean, you might have liked a certain player, but you had 17 guys ahead of them that aren't even in the NFL, okay? But you liked every, all those guys, but you wouldn't have taken the guy you liked. You would have taken one of the other guys you liked maybe a little better. So when everybody says, oh, I liked him coming out, that means absolutely nothing. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, revisionist history, you notice, too. Bill Polian and some other people that would have drafted Tom Brady in the first round. So <laughs> it's not just draft people, it's everybody. All right, let's get yep. to the Packers and you know, sure. trading Devontae Adams. Have two first-round picks. Everybody's looking wide out, wide out, wide out. There is a great class of wideouts. Who do you think Green Bay should be targeting, and who do you think is if they stand pat, who are some of the players that you'd think would be available? I went and did this yesterday, and McShay said I have comp FOMO. I didn't even know what FOMO was until a year ago when my daughter Lauren told me about FOMO. He said I have comp FOMO because uh, because we had Mike Tannenbaum did his mock, and he had a comparison. He used uh, you know Marvin Harrison as a comp, okay? And I used Marvin Harrison. He used it for Jahan Dotson from Penn State. I used it for Devontae Smith last year. I said he was splendid splinter too, okay? And I compared him to Marvin Harrison, the late great Ted Williams. So I had all these. He used it for that one. So, so then McShay, I wrote. I said, here's the Packers, guys, that have had great success in the second round, right? So I gave comps to all the, the twos. I said, Jordy Nelson, that's Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. Randall Cobb, that's Calvin Austin III from Memphis. Greg Jennings, let's go back to Kalamazoo and go for Sky Moore, okay? Then let's go for Devontae Adams. Let's say Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Now go to the third round for James Jones and give you Isaiah Weston from Northern Iowa. So I gave comps for all the four seconds and the third that were great Packer picks. So if you say first round, who should they take? And I just gave you all the names in those rounds. But I would say Jamison Williams has to be in the discussion, even though he's coming off the injury. And then if you want somebody ready to help you immediately, then you would look to maybe a Chris Olave if he gets down that far, or a Jahan Dotson. I'm talking about 22. If you're looking at 28, then you're looking at one of the other receivers I just thought, whether it's Traylon Burks from Arkansas, could be a Sky Moore, who I think is the most underrated offensive player in this draft. If you want to move up, and it has happened before, Atlanta went from 27 to 6 in 2011 to get Julio Jones. You want to move up and get Drake London, or you want to move up and get Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, you could go that route. Yeah, Mel, do you think uh, – what is kind of the rumblings about Olave right now? Because that's a name that gets a lot of love here in in Wisconsin. Do you think he falls, or is he going to be gone if Green Bay doesn't move up? I'd be surprised if you were there at 22. He's so smooth. We knew what kind of receiver he was. He's a great kid. He's a, you know, works hard, but then he ran that 4-3-9, and I think that was enough to say, boy, he's Garrett Wilson. You can't have a lot of separation between Garrett Wilson and Olave. If Garrett Wilson's going to go in the top 5 to 10, Olave shouldn't go 22. 
So I would say he goes in that Philadelphia range where they're picking, you know, they have the three picks, maybe just a little higher. So I would be, you know, he could be there. He's one of those guys that possibly could. Uh, but I would think he may be gone just a few picks higher. ESPN NFL draft expert Mel Kuyper Jr. on Wildey and Tausch. This question from Pete in Maguanago for you, Mel. Given the Packers' clear need for receiving help and the possibility of relying more heavily on the running game without the receiving help currently on the roster, should the Packers select a tight end early in the draft? Well, tight end position is, is I say, not a bad one this year. It's not a, it's not a great one. It's one of those years where you got to just pick the right guy because there's going to be some busts and there's going to be some guys that I think turn out to be surprised. I'll give you a couple names of tight ends I really like. Jelani Woods from Virginia, formerly of Oklahoma State. He was a blocker, and then he became a receiver this year for Virginia and did a heck of a job. I like him. I think when you get down the line, Derek Deese Jr. from San Jose State wasn't even invited to the combine workout. You know about his father, the outstanding player with the 49 49- an offensive guard, the tackle. So I think there's a couple guys there. Trey McBride from Colorado State is going to be the first tight end taken probably early to mid-second round. So if you pick the right guy, there are some tight ends out there. Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin is going to be a day three pick. So you know about Jake. So there's going to be some tight ends. Uh, Charlie Kohler played a lot of football at Iowa State. Jeremy Rucker played a lot of football at Ohio State. Uh, Daniel Bellinger's coming on from San Diego State through the process. And then Isaiah Likely made a ton of plays down the field, catching you know, 10 yards passes and turn them into 60-yard touchdown uh, receptions is what Isaiah likely did. And you have Greg Dulcich, former wide receiver term tight end at UCLA, who really caught a ton of balls and, and is one of those guys you can flex out. He can be an H-back move tight end, would be Dulcich from UCLA. Yeah, Mel, before we continue on to the Packers stuff, you mentioned Jake Ferguson there. What, day three, I, I'm a little surprised by that. What's kind of the overall report on why he'd be a day three guy? Four to seven. So, you know, you're talking about the fourth round, and it's a very fine line between being a three and being a five or a six. So there's tight ends ahead of him. No tight ends going to the mid, say, early to mid second round. And he's not in that top group. So, like I mentioned, some of the guys ahead of him, and they're probably, some of those guys are going to go third, fourth, fifth round. So it, with Jake, it's just day three. I just say it's hard to predict when you get to those types of players. It's hard to, to I can say for like a McBride, he's going to go second round. Is he going to be early, mid, late? Uh, you know, but say second round is safe. When you get the players in day three, that's why I say day three. It could be a four, could be a seven. And guess what? As everybody knows, I mean, five, if you project the guy as a five, he could very easily be an undrafted free agent. So, And a lot of those guys will make teams. So, And they'll get to camp. I always had The GMs have always told me, particularly the coaches have always told me, when they get to camp, I don't care. If they don't have a round on their helmet or on their jersey, you know, if he's undrafted or he's a six-round pick, it doesn't matter. There's, there's free agents are going to be looking better at the same position than some of the guys. Say they took a tight end in the fifth round. That free agent tight end they come to camp, and that coach may say, hey, this, this creation tight end is better than the guy we took in the fifth round. Next question for Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN NFL draft expert, comes from Jared on the Wilde and Tausch Facebook page. Which position or positions do you see the most consistent value in rounds three, four, and five? Yeah, that's a great wide receiver definitively is wide receiver. I think interior offensive linemen, those guys that were tackles can be guards, some some guards can be centers, some interior guys there. Uh, and then I think the the depth at corner, it's not a good year corner in terms of early, but there's a lot of guys like Zion McCollum's from Sam Houston State, I think will be a good third or fourth. There's some corner depth in terms of guys, but then you gotta you gotta pick the right guy. Uh, and I think there's some off ball linebackers, those inside backers. We'll get to Leo Chanel, but he's one of 
of them. Uh, that there's a lot of those guys from my old high school, uh, Ch- uh, Chance Campbell. We had him on the Darian Mel show this past week. Chance Campbell's a guy that I think could be a really good fourth, fifth round pick. So the uh, the guys that are going to be, I think, playing the old inside linebacker spots are the ones that I think could be interesting in this draft as well. All right. Last NFL one for me, um, Mel. Jordan Love was picked a couple years ago. That's been examined, and man, has it been examined here. But where, if you're looking at it now, because there's talk after the Rodgers contract extension, well, they could trade him for a first-round pick. Where does he fit in this year's quarterback class? Because it's not. this is not your typical year where everybody's clamoring for one guy. We don't necessarily know. How do you see Jordan Love's skill set and where he, when he was picked a couple years ago, if he was be in this year's NFL draft? It's amazing how that that's worked. It's, you would think that he would be the number one quarterback, right? You know, he's five months younger than, than Kenny Pickett. How about that one, guys? Five months younger, younger than Kenny Pickett. He's going to be going into year three. Kenny's just coming into the league. So I think you look at He's got that experience. He went through the COVID year, which was, remember, no preseason, none of that. And then this past year, you know, he looked like he was basically a rookie again. Well, that's understandable. But I've talked to teams and say, well, second, third round pick is all you're going to get for, for him. Well, if I'm the, I'm not giving him up for a second, third round pick. I've got to get a one in return. But it doesn't seem like he would have first. You would think he would have first round value. You would think he'd be the number one quarterback if he were back in this draft. I think he would be. But teams, once you're in the league and you don't, you know, go out and do great right away, or show something in a preseason or a game and play just lights out. Had he played lights out, maybe there would have been some buzz. But right now, they're saying second-round pick at best. So if I'm only getting a two for Jordan Love, I'm not trading him. All right, we're going to get our Badgers in quickly. Leo Chanel, who you just mentioned, and you watch his film. He is he was dominant this year. I guess the questions up here was, did he have enough speed? Is he going to be fast enough to play at the next level? Where do you see him? He's a thumper. Leo would be a top 20 pick in the 1985 draft, okay? <laughs> if you want to go back. I, I mean, in the 85, 90. Who was the number one it? inside linebacker that year, Mel? Yeah, 84 was the boomer. I know 83 was the Elway year. But uh, yeah, you're talking about a guy who really is that true Mike man, that true middle linebacker who's a thumper. You know, he's explosive. The weight room numbers, the speed, muscular. I mean, he is just a, a freakish guy to look at you know, for so big and so fast and so talented and so but he's worked on from being a throwback, uh, you know, to the to the '80s, to being a guy built for today, he has worked on being more flexible, not as stiff. You got, you can be a two down player. You've, we've seen a lot of those guys. It's a space game now. Can you run? Can you cover? We know you can run. Can he cover? Is he agile? Does he change direction? Does he have the COD? Does he have all those things that you need to be able to be an every down player? I think is a two down thumper against the run phenomenal. Uh, you know, so how does how do teams come? He's one of those interesting guys. Come draft day, do they value? Value him as a second, third round pick, or do they value him a little later than that? He, 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 you know, based on the numbers and based on the production, you say, "Gosh, how can he get out of the second round?" And there are some that think he could go that high, but there are others that are a little more skeptical. So there's a, there's a, there's a, I'd say a, a mixed opinion, I would say, on Leo right now. But all you take these is one team to say, "Hey, we love this kid on first, second down. He's a thumper against the run. He's improved his flexibility, his agility. Let's take him in a second or third round." So uh, it'll be fun to see where he comes off the board. He's going to play in the NFL. It's just more of a space game now, which makes him an interesting guy to evaluate. All right, Mel, I can't let you go without talking Wisconsin O-linemen. The league seems to love them. Logan Bruss, somebody. Talk a little bit about Wisconsin, how scouts view Wisconsin O-linemen and Logan. Well, you know, he's a right tackle 
be a guard. And, and I think the way he, the, they, they teach, the way they coach, uh, the, the lineage of great love linemen have come out that, that have done a heck of a job. Uh, yeah, to me, he's going to get drafted in day on day three. I don't have a, I don't have a third round grade. I have more of a day three grade on Logan. But you can rest assured, he's at worst a backup. He's going to be a guy who can be one of those you know, versatile backups. You can put him in in a pinch at, very, at a couple spots, tackle guard. But he's gonna, if he's going to have a chance to start, it's going to be a guard. Uh, but he's, a, I think, a day three pick who's going to be a, certainly assisted and helped by what the, the, the consistency, the fact that they coach these guys so well, they get them so NFL ready. If you're an offensive lineman in high school right now, and you, you go to Wisconsin. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pipeline for the NFL, and that's something that certainly helps Logan Bruss. All right, two more quick ones for you, Mel, from our fans. Caitlin asks, if Green Bay doesn't draft a wide receiver in round one, who could they possibly be looking at in rounds two or three? Well, Sky Moore from Western Michigan, I think, would be a really good pick. Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Calvin Austin III from Memphis. Uh, a guy like Isaiah Weston from Northern Iowa. Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. A Juan Dale Robinson is a slot guy from Kentucky. Valus Jones Jr. out of Tennessee is not only a guy who was a heck of a receiver, he's also an outstanding return man. So those would be some guys there that I think. Uh, John Mechie third coming off the ACL. He had his ACL in the SEC title game against Georgia. Uh, okay, Jamison Williams had his ACL against Georgia in the national championship game. So both Alabama receivers coming off ACLs, but both really good players. I think Williams still goes in the first. Mechie, the third, probably goes in either the late second, early to mid-third round. But I think if you're looking for the, like I said, if you're looking for the next Jordy Nelson, look at Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. If you're looking for the next, say, James Jones, it would be Isaiah Weston from Northern Iowa. If you're looking for the next, say, uh, Devontae Adams, maybe it's Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Randall Cobb could be a Calvin Austin the third. And I mentioned Sky more Western Michigan, because that's where Greg Jennings went to Western Michigan. And Sky Moore, I said, guys, explosive. He uses that stiff arm. He breaks tackles. This Sky Moore kid from Western Michigan, watch him. Go get some tape on him. You'll be uh, entertained. This kid, to me, is a second-round pick at worst, and he's going to be, I think, better than some of the receivers that go in the first round. And last question for you, Mel. We started today's show. Tausch was making fun of me. Uh, one of our teammates here at our Madison office went to go pick us up some coffee. Uh, Aaron asks on, asks on Twitter, somebody ask Mel for his coffee order. Mel, if someone says, hey, we're going to go pick you up a cup I'm of coffee. T- I don't think he's a coffee drinker. That's going to be my bet. All right, what do we got, Mel? You are correct. I, I, it would be decaf all the way. I, the caffeine, come, come on. I would be, I would be, I would be, in, I'd be in the stratosphere right now. Well, you would, I'd, I'd be talking to you from outer space right now if I was drinking coffee. But uh, decaf only. Um, I, you know, I get, to, you know, when I get decaf only when we go out to restaurants and eat. I don't eat drink coffee at home. I only get decaf with dessert when we're out. And then the dessert is not pumpkin pie, by the way. So it's usually a piece of chocolate cake or something, so or apple pie. So I don't get pumpkin pie, but it will be a decaf for dessert when I'm out at a restaurant. All right, Mel. Sometime after the draft is done and you get a, a month to recuperate, we're going to have you on to play a little trivia from uh, draft picks from the fifth round of 1989. Tausch will study up, you study up, and uh, we'll have a big uh, trivia contest you know, with if you. you t- if you do trivia, it's going to be silence on my end because I hate trivia. When Dari asks me trivia, I say it's tri- <laughs> trivia is short for trivial, which means who cares? Look, my, my father, my father always told me trivia. Look it up. Look All right, will the Tausch trivia? Don't ask me about trivia. Will the Tausch trivia coming up next? Well, Mel, thank you so much for your time and everything. You guys are the best. Take care, guys. See you, man.